Good to see you this morning. Good to be back with you. This is my first Sunday back after three weeks away, and I uh, had three weeks. Debbie and I spent in Ocracoke, and we read and relaxed and didn't do very much at all and had a good time, and we still speak to each other. It was really good time <laughs> to be together. I don't know that I've ever had three weeks like that much time with her, and it was really great. And uh, I appreciate you for allowing us to do it. It was it was great. Uh, you had capable leadership here. You had great preaching with Jacob and AJ both. You have great leadership with AJ's associate pastor. Both of these young men are fully capable of of uh, doing whatever is necessary in this church. I appreciate you guys so much. Um, I want to talk this morning. Get right to work. Ready to do that. You'll open your Bibles and turn to John chapter 5, verse 24. We're going to look at Jesus' uh, discussion as he continues with what Jacob talked about uh, a week or so ago, a couple weeks ago, I guess. There's several things that we learn, and I want you to understand that one before I read it. I'm going to get there and then just listen to me for a minute. But um, Jesus tells us about how he's related to the Father. And, and of course, this passage begins back in verse 16. And he says to us that he and the Father are one together. They don't, uh, Jesus is not doing freelancing. Whatever the Father does, Jesus does. That's the way he operates. Um, whatever God can do, Jesus can do. And when I say that, consider the vast power of God and all that that entails. So Christ is capable of all that God can do. The Father, that is God, loves the Son and reveals His full will and purpose to Him. And so Jesus is able to grasp everything the Father's doing. You and I, we can grasp a fraction of what God's doing. But, but Jesus can understand everything the Father does. The Father raises life and defeats death, and so can the Son. And not only that, but the Father has entrusted salvation and judgment to the Son. So those are the things that we know about Jesus from this passage, and they're very, very important to us. And then today we're going to learn the specific things that he says to us about this. Let me read the passage. I want you to know, though. Christ is a priority above everything else. I want you to know it. I I want that burned in your heart. I want you to just think about that. He is a priority above everything else. Let me read the passage. I assure you, verse 24, anyone and the words of Jesus, anyone that hears my word, believes in me, him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. I assure you an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he is granted to the Son to have life in himself. And he has granted him the right to pass judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, because a time is coming when all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge only as I hear. My judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Father, thank you for your word. Speak clearly to us today through your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. I want four points that I want you to see. I want you to see. First of all, that Christ is the key to eternal life. We, we got to see that. Verse 24, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. If, if we hear what Christ says and what he has told us and what he has taught us and what he explained to us, if we hear that, we have eternal life. We, we have it right there. That's, that's what it is. It, it's, in this passage of scripture, you have a very clear gospel presentation. Anyone, it, it's open to all of us. Whosoever, there's no limitation. There's no exclusion clause. There's nobody out of it. Anyone who hears my word and believes who sent me, we have to hear what Christ said. We have to believe that God sent him. That's the condition. It's not believe whatever we want, not believe whatever we think, not believe whatever we've imagined, whoever taught us something about God or about the Bible. I hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I just don't think God will send a pretty good person to hell. And I'll tell you, that's not a message that's in the Bible. I wish that were true, but it's not a message that's in the Bible. You won't find that anywhere. You have to believe what Jesus told us. And that person that believes has eternal life. And will not come under judgment. The word means you already have eternal life. It's already yours. It can't be taken away. If, if you have trusted Christ today, you already have eternal life. There's not anything that'll damage your eternal salvation. There's not anything that can take it away. That church, that's the greatest thing you can hear. You have security. You have security beyond anything. Now, I want, I know the, the question is believe. And that's the one that we all get tangled up about. And I go, I go over to, to Romans chapter 10. And Paul says this. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's, that's a pretty clear statement. If you confess him with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And with the heart one believes, resulting in righteousness. In other words, when we believe, when we believe, when we believe that God is sent Christ and Christ is who God says he is and he's our savior. When we trust him as our savior, when we believe in him, our hearts made righteous before God's made right. Not anything we did. You know, every time I say that, I I stop and say, "That, that doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, that's the most illogical thing, that God would make me righteous by faith. But that's exactly what the Bible says. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to work for it. doesn't take a huge amount of faith. doesn't have to be perfect faith. It is faith that Christ loves us, died for us, and will forgive us if we ask him. That's what it is. Now, now this faith has a result in our life. It's not just faith that that I have faith today and then I'm I'm done with faith and I'll move on and do my life. But it's faith that changes my life. And there's there's measurable progress in my life because of faith. That's what it is. And that that one day or a few or a year from now or five years from now, I'm not I'm not the same Christian, I'm not the same person. My faith has made a difference. It's measurable, it's not perfect. Because if you walk your Christian life the way I walk my Christian life, there's a step forward, a half step back, maybe a two steps forward, a step back. 
I, I keep going to God with the same thing and saying, Lord, forgive me for this same thing again. I've, I've done it again. But that's okay. Because God loves us and he has mercy on us and he forgives us. Not perfect faith, but it's life-changing faith. Belief in Christ is the key to eternal life. And, and because of that, we pass from, from death to life. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? I mean, right here, today, if you have that in your heart, you can know that you can pass from death to life. Life's so very uncertain. Life, we just don't know. But we know, on the authority of Scripture, that if we have trusted Christ and we believe in Him, we pass that day from death to life. That's what we know. Okay, number two. Christ has the power to defeat spiritual death. He he tells us that. He has the power to defeat spiritual death. He says an hour is coming. I assure you, in other words, uh, if you uh, like the old, I always give you an example, my old instructors in the military, and they would stomp their foot on the wooden platform, and that meant you better listen because it's going to be on the test. When Jesus says verily, verily, or I assure you, you better listen, church, because it's going to be on the test. It's important to you. I assure you, he says, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Isn't that amazing? For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he's granted to the Son to have life in himself. See, John John wants to teach us in his gospel that Jesus is life. That he says in the, in the prologue, in the first three verses, he says, he is the life. He, he has life in him, and from that life, he has the light of the world. His, his life will light the whole world. When Christ came into the world, he brought us out of spiritual darkness. Now, Jesus is going to refer to spiritual death. Here, most scholars believe he's referring to spiritual death. He's talking about us being dead in our sin, about we're dead in our sin. And, and one day, and he says, an hour is right now, right now. When the spiritually dead, the people that are dead to their sins, will hear the voice of God and they'll wake up and be alive. You know, Paul tells us that, and you probably think that's a little bit harsh to say we're dead, but that's that's exactly the language Paul uses in Ephesians. He says that before in your trespasses and sin, you were dead. He He didn't say you were partially dead or you were asleep or you were slumbering or you were unconscious. He said you were dead. You were unresponsive. You can't resuscitate a dead person. You can't, you can't put life into them. You know, I, I've preached on this sermon, and I don't, I don't know if you remember this, um, but when I did that, I brought these dead roses up here. They were completely dead. They were, they were like crispy dead. And I brought them up here and set them on the platform. And I said, you can't do anything to bring these things back to life. They're dead. That's the way we were before Christ. I mean, we couldn't fix it. You couldn't get better. You were dead. And somewhere, if you are a believer today, you, you heard, you heard the voice of God. God called you and, and you heard that and you responded to it. Might have been here in a pulpit somewhere, in the, in a pew somewhere in this church. You heard God worked over you and, and you said, it's time. I'm going to listen. When I was 11 years old, God spoke clearly to me in a service one morning. I've told you this many times, but I was 11 years old and our, we had, um, 
You know, in an 11 year old's mind, church was divided into long services and short services. And when we had, we had communion, it was a short service because the preacher preached 10 minutes. I'd never have done that, but he did. He preached 10 minutes and we had the Lord's Supper and by five or 10 till 12, we were out of there. Every Sunday, I could predict on that. But that Sunday, Jesus spoke to me and said, you go to the aisle. You go to the front. Well, that was okay, but we didn't have an invitation. And so the preacher was standing there, and he did a prayer, and he was getting ready to do the Lord's Supper. And I came down and said, I, I got to accept Jesus today. He said, what? He was really surprised. I think it kind of threw him off a little bit. And... Uh, <laughs> And so I came down and another fellow in our class came down. We both accepted Christ. He said, I'll never give another service and not offer an invitation. Do you know, I haven't been perfect since then. I know God called me profoundly, loudly, overwhelmingly. But I've, I've stumbled, I've sinned, I've backslidden. But you know what? God's pursued me. He's never let me go. I've known since I was 11 years old, I was his. That's what he does. And when God, when Christ, the voice of God, you, you'll hear that. He'll speak to you and say, this is you. You you can't bring yourself to life. You can't will that to happen in your life. But when he speaks to you, God answer. Let me tell you something about his call while I'm on this. I don't want to forget this. He won't let you go. You. Listen, you can say you're not going to listen and you're going to do it next week. He won't forget. And he'll wake you up and he'll tell Because once he calls you, he will wake you up from death. That's what he does. And so Jesus is saying he has ushered in an hour. It's now here. It's right here today. Church, we have it. An hour when, when Christ will speak to us and those that hear it will live Because he grants life to the son who gives it to us. Isn't that great? Isn't that, boy, isn't that that a wonderful thing to rejoice? I read this. I said, we ought to just stand up and shout about this. That he calls us from spiritual death. From being hopelessly lost in our sin. No way of making it right with God. And God makes it right with us. That's it. That's what he does. It's a beautiful thing. You got to love that. That's powerful. But I want you to understand that death is real. Spiritual death is a powerful thing. Can't can't get alive from spiritual death. The only way you get there is is for Christ to do something. And you know, uh, one one of the really great things that Jesus says. And once he calls us from spiritual death into life, he tells us over in John chapter 10. I'm just giving you a preview of what we're going to be seeing in the months to come in there. He says, listen, in verse 27, I love this passage of scripture. Every chance I get to read it to you, I want to read it to you. It says, my sheep, this is what Jesus says, my sheep. I'm, I'm, if you're, if you're a follower of Christ, you're one of his sheep. I hope, I'm thankful that I, I, I'm certain in my heart I'm one of his sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. Listen, church, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. How about that? It doesn't matter what happened. Jeannie, we lost Daryl a couple weeks ago. But you know, he's not gone. You know where he is. He, he went from this world right in the presence of God. 
suddenly. Never. That's, that's Jesus' promise. They will never perish, ever. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Listen to that. Talk about eternal security. That's what a believer has. When he calls you, he doesn't forget you. When he calls you, he doesn't forget you. Number three, Christ has the power of judgment. This one's tough. He's granted, God has granted to Christ the right to pass judgment because he's the son of man. So God has delegated judgment. When you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ as believers, looking on the other side, the judge will be Christ. And, and for believers, the judgment seat of Christ is a place where, where the rewards will be divvied out. Where, where the work, because you know, there's no, there's no sin to judge because Christ has covered our sin. And so when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, uh, you, you have, you stand there for reward. Some people have a lot of rewards, some not a lot. But all the people that stand before the judgment seat of Christ are believers and their sins have been covered by Christ's blood. But there's another judgment. The great white throne. The great white throne judgment is for non-believers. And they'll stand before the throne too. And on the other side will be Christ the judge. And they will have an account of every sin, every Every misdeed, every, every good thing. It'll be a just, but everyone there will stand account to pay for their own sin. That's a fearful place to be. Um, the idea of the Son of Man that comes here comes out of Daniel. And if you're, uh, if you like to read Daniel chapter 7, you know, we're going to start the book of Revelation in a couple of weeks on Wednesday nights. So I invite you to come, uh, not this week, probably the next week after. But um, listen to what Daniel says about Jesus in his, in his prophecy. He says, he was given authority to rule, Daniel chapter 7, verse 14, and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. That's the way Daniel saw Christ, the Son of Man. Jesus is the righteous judge. Listen to what Dr. Kent Hughes wrote about this. He said, the qualities that make him so precious to those who believe are the very qualities that make him frightening to those who do not believe. At the great white throne, unbelievers will find themselves looking into the face of one whom they are completely accountable and nothing will slip by him. The same qualities that make Jesus such a comfort for believers will make him an awesome terror to the lost. He will be the judge. He will be the judge. Fourthly, Christ has the power to defeat physical death. We talked about spiritual death. He has power over spiritual death. He has the power over physical death. You know, I'm going to tell you, there's not anything in the Bible that's more comfort to believers than this. There's not anything that's more important to believers, to us, each one of us. There's a time in our life. Now, maybe you guys sitting on the front row think, well, that's a great thing. But it doesn't matter to me. One day, that's the most important thing that will matter. One day, the fact that Christ defeats physical death uh, will be the most important thing in the world. Now, now listen to what he says. He says in verse 28, he says, do not be amazed at this. And, and when Jesus says, don't be amazed at this, you're probably going to be really amazed at this. Because it's a really big statement. 
Do not be amazed at this. Because a time is coming. Now, that time is not yet. It will come. That all believers who die in Christ are present with him in spirit. Their bodies rest in the ground or rest in burial urns or rest in the ocean or wherever they are. They're not physically present. But their spirits are alive with the Lord. You say, Jim, how do I know that? Because Paul says that. He says that when we're absent from the body, we're present from the Lord. We leave this world instantaneously into the presence of God. Believers are right there. You're not dead. You don't sleep. You don't wake up a thousand years later. You are present with the Lord. Absent in the body, present with the Lord. But there is a day, and that day is when Christ comes back for his second return. And when he comes back, a the voice of Christ, there is a day when all those who are in the graves will hear his voice and come out. How about that? That would be a place to be in the cemetery that day. Because all the voice of Christ. Can you can you imagine? I mean, you could go to a cemetery today and there's no voice in the world. There's no music. There's no sound that would raise people from the dead. But on the last day, the word of Christ will bring people out of the grave. That's a powerful statement. That's exactly what the text says. That's exactly. And he says there's two kinds of resurrections. He says those who have done good things to the resurrection of life, but to those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of judgment. Let me talk to you about just a minute. I don't want you to think for a minute that you're going to, that you're going to go to heaven based on what you do. I don't want you to think that. Now it kind of says that, but I don't want you to think that because if you think that, you're going to think all I got to do is do a bunch of good stuff and I'm good. But no, Christ is the only one that can cover your sin and get you to heaven. But once you trust Christ and once you give your life to him and once you surrender your life to him, your life will pour out with the things that he calls you to do because he's going to change your life. There's going to be good that comes out of your life. Good things. Who've done good things. Good things is evidence of the spiritual transformation that they are alive. They will be resurrected to the resurrection of life. Now, actually, in the Bible, and, and we'll learn this in the book of Revelation too, but these rev, these resurrections don't happen at the same time. The first resurrection, the resurrection for those that are saved, happens when he comes back at the rapture. When he comes back for the church, he, all those people will be resurrected physically. They'll be given physical bodies. You know what kind of shape our bodies are in now. You know what kind of shape our bodies are in when our loved ones pass away and how they've been ravaged by illness and sickness and disease. And boy, I'll tell you, I just look at my body 60 years. It's a lot different. It's a lot worse than it used to be. It just is. But one day, I mean, it can last. I don't know how long it can last, but it can't last forever like this. I promise you. But one day. Because of my faith in Christ and because your faith in Christ, he will resurrect those that are in the grave. And he will give them eternal bodies that will have no susceptibility to illness or death or aging. And there are a lot of questions I know. You say, well, how old will I be? I don't know how old you're going to be. If your father was, you were 15 when your father died, I, I, I don't know. Your fa- I don't know how old you're all going to be. It's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. But he will give you a body that will never wear out. It will, 
You will be able to worship and serve God through eternity and never go to the doctor. You'll never go to a funeral. You won't even know what grief and crying and pain is like. All of that stuff is gone. That's what that means. And it's done by the voice of God. And by the same token, the people that don't have faith in Christ will be resurrected at the end of the thousand year reign of Christ. They will be raised up for judgment. And their bodies will be suited for eternal judgment. A sobering thought. But that's exactly what the Bible tells us. But church, if you are a believer today, you are guaranteed eternal life with Christ. That's what it means. There is not anything more important than where we stand with Christ. There is not any decision. There is not any question. There is not any priority more important than where you stand. John, John MacArthur, I hear, here's the thing I want you to understand. And, and I know you heard here, here up in verse 25 and you have here, here. It says here does not describe the hearing of faithful believers as it did in verse 25, but it refers to the sovereign command of Christ. At his voice, the bodies of everyone who ever lived will come back to life. How about that? No wonder Paul said his priority was to know him and the power of his resurrection. How about that? I mean, I think when you understand that, you want to know Christ. You want to know the power of the resurrection, that his simple voice will call us out of the grave. So up in verse 25, here, described faithful believers that hear Jesus call us. But in this one, it's for faithful believers and unfaithful people. Everybody will hear it because God is sovereign. All those people that said they don't believe in the Bible, they're going to hear it too. All those people that said the, the Bible was a big joke and Jesus a big joke and he's a prophet and, and believed in all the false religions, they'll, they'll hear it. It, it. It's serious business. Nothing can be more frightening than rejecting Christ in this world. And I'll tell you what, we reject Christ by an active decision to do that, by procrastination, by simple indifference. But all of them have the same consequences. I want you to contemplate eternity for just a moment. I, uh, I haven't read all of these books. I've read some of them. The Chronicles of Narnia. C.S. Lewis, great Christian writer, writer wrote ten, nine, ten books. Uh, the Chronicles of Narnia is a series of books. You ought to read them. You ought to read part of them. But anyway, Aslan is the lion in the story. And Aslan uh, is the Christ figure. He's Christ. And when you read the story, you say, oh, that's Jesus. I can tell with all the things that happens to Aslan. And, and the last book is this. The last book is called The Last Battle. Aslan tells three of the young human uh, figures in the books, Peter, Edmund, and Lucy, that there's been an accident and they are dead. But as Aslan spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them.
And as for the end of these, all these stories, we can say most truly that all of them lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been a cover and a title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has ever read, but goes on forever in which every chapter is better than the one before. That is a glimpse of what it's like into eternity. Paul, you know, I'm, I'm always in awe that a four-year-old boy can write, can, can go to heaven and write a book about it. Because when Paul went to heaven, he says, I saw things so indescribable that I can't even write them down. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and he could not describe the words of heaven. That's eternity. That's the place for believers. And Jesus says he has the power to defeat death. If we are a believer in Christ today, then we may die or we may be alive when he comes back. It doesn't matter. If we die, we go in spirit to the presence of the Lord. Our bodies go to the grave or to the crematorium or wherever they go. It doesn't matter about your body. You know, people worry about cremation or they worry about if my loved one is lost at sea or whatever. Listen, God created the entire universe from nothing. He will have no trouble creating your body from whatever is there. So don't worry about that. But we, if you're a believer today, you go from the presence, you go from life to the presence of the Lord and one day he will raise you to a perfect, eternal and glorified body. That you will serve him for eternity. That's our hope. That's our promise. That's what Jesus said in this passage of scripture. His voice. His voice will call us from the grave. So it comes down to this church. What, what, do, you, what do you do with Jesus? It, it all hinges on him. The, the Bible teaches us in no uncertain terms. That there is a time in every one of our lives. That Christ is the only thing that matters. There's a time and the moment, the moment after death, when your stock portfolio has no value to you at all. Your home, your vacation home, your family, your career, your education, your life experience, the highest position you ever served. There's a time when your influence over people or over the community or over your region or over the nation is completely without value. Can you imagine that? In that moment. In, in my time off, I, I reflected about my life and what I had ahead and what I had behind. And, and you know, I realized I'm 62 years old and I have so many things that I would love to do. But I'm not going to be able to do those things. I only have a few years of, of, of active ministry, of work to do. And, and you know what? I, I really see that the only thing that is of value is what Paul said. That I know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. That's the way Paul viewed his priority in life. What is your priority? What have you staked your future on? What have, what have you staked eternity on? What do you desire most out of this life? I, I want to tell you in no uncertain terms that if you're working for the things of this world and you haven't taken care of eternal things, you're in grave danger. Oh, I mean, you're in the gravest possible danger. 
Jesus said over in Matthew, and one of the passages that I always like in Matthew, he says, what will it benefit a man? This is Jesus' words. If he gains the whole world and loses his soul. Or what if a man gives in exchange for, what will a man give in exchange for his life? Oh, I've seen people give all kinds of cheap things in exchange for their lives and their souls. For the son of man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his father. And then he will reward each according to what he's done. I want you to know and I want you to listen to what the Bible says. Don't trade some cheap thing for eternity. If you don't know Christ today, that should be your priority. To come to know him. To trust him. To let him be your savior. And and you know, the beauty of Jesus is that he stands there calling you. And he wants you to be his follower. That's my prayer for everybody today that we leave. And that we all know Christ and that we're ready to face whatever life has. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We need it desperately in our lives. Apply it to us personally and individually as you see fit. If there's one here that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that you'll draw them to you today. That they'll come to know how much you love us and care for us. And know your power to bring us from death to life. God, thank you for what you do and for what you've done through Jesus. In his name we pray.